0: Bear Siragusa, and you are listening to the Hunting Hound Podcast presented by W Hunting Supply. Hey folks, Bear here. Happy uh Happy New Year. It's the 11th of January as I'm sitting here right now and um, the temperatures have risen so we're having an unseasonably warm spell the last few days which is nice because it's been unseasonably cold down 30, 30, 35 below which is just no fun. No fun for hounds or people so uh, I'm appreciating the warm weather and looking forward to hopefully a better year in 2024 than we had in 2023. But um, figured looking forward into 2024, you know, at the beginning of a year, you look forward and all you see is potential. And that got me thinking about uh, puppies. Because when I look at puppies, all I see is, they're to me, they're the embodiment of just potential. You never know what they're going to turn into. Um, you know, a lot of times you've got, you know, money put into them, or you've done somebody a favor and earned a pup from them, or somebody's doing you a favor. Either way, you've got, most people are pretty motivated to, to get as much out of their pups as they can. And in a lot of cases, you've got, you know, a lot of years of, of breeding going into whatever puppies you've got on the ground so it's always exciting for me to have pups because it's either representing something new or a continuation of something that i've worked very hard to maintain or create so i wanted to talk a little bit about pups because um you know i see there's this there's this attitude out there that these pups when you when you get pups that you know they they're just kind of there until they're six or seven months old four or five six seven months old and then there's this expectation almost that they're going to start functioning almost immediately at least to a certain degree you know not be adult not function like adult dogs but at least be Know, able to do things that I don't necessarily know are, are reasonable to expect, at least with the other, you know, with my own hounds and the other breeds of dogs that I've worked with, there's such a huge variation in terms of what a natural, you know, the, the natural instinct of a dog. You know, ideally, you'd like a pup to hit the ground running and never look back. It's usually not the case. Sometimes the case, but usually not. I've talked a little bit about this before, but, you know, I think the job, the work with the pups to get the real full potential out of the pups, there's a couple things that I really think are are crucial that, and it all happens way before you even put those pups on the ground uh, on a track or, you know, even smack a collar on them or even walk into a tree with them. I mean, it's, You know, so the, for me, the ensuring that I've got any kind of success begins with obviously the breeding, but if I don't, if it's not even my breeding, it's going to begin with making sure that I'm going to get a pup from somebody who's going to do the right things by the mother. You know, if I roll up to, if I roll up to pick up a puppy and, you know, the pups are eight weeks old and the mom is skin and bones and you know splashes of diarrhea everywhere that's that pup's not going to be what I most likely is not going to be what I want it to be because it's gotten it's the mom's gotten a rough start and that pup might not have gotten what it needed you know I want when I get pups I want it to be from a female that looks pretty good somebody that's got you know the knowledge necessary to know how to feed and know how to keep condition on a female, a lactating female, because if they don't know how to do that, then they don't really know how to breed is my, is my opinion. It might be a little harsh, but that, that that's my opinion. If you've got a real skinny female, then you're missing some sort of key aspects of breeding, which makes me wonder how well you've got the rest of it, uh, down. So that's going to make it so that I don't get a, pup from that person, it's also going to make it so that I'm not going to necessarily sell pups. If I've got a, an issue like that, because if I've got an issue where I can't get a female to hold weight, then that female may be sick. And I'm going to want to know why I can't hold weight on her. Is it because she got a bug? Is it because she's got a parasite? Is it because there's something else going on that I didn't pick up on that's potentially genetic? I want answers before I sell those pups. But you know, all things being equal with the female, you know, you want to, you got to keep her, got to obviously keep her during the pregnancy. You got to keep her in, in pretty good nick. You know, you can't, can't let her get real skinny. You can't let her get too fat either because you don't want those big monster puppies getting stuck on the way out of a fat female. That's, a, that's no fun. Neither for the female, the houndsman or the, you know, the, the veterinarian who's, you know, that when we have to open them up, that's the text and the veterinarians. That that's no fun when they're big and fat, but, um, you know, getting, getting the female on a decent food, ideally a puppy food, something that's going to be really easily digestible before she has pups, get her used to that. Cause I mean, she's going to be eating a lot of the same stuff as the pups are going to be eating. So you don't want a, a dog getting, having stomach issues, adjusting to a new food while she's also trying to take care of a bunch of puppies. Um I also she should be wormed with a mild wormer, something like um banminth is a, is a good one. Um, um what's the other one? Um, milpro, milbamox is another good one. Um something that's gonna take care of the internal parasites but not be so harsh that it affects the puppies uh while they're still in utero. So uh, once once all of that's kind of squared away, though that's kind of the minimum basics going into getting puppies. Once the puppies are born, you know there's a lot of different things that people do. Some people remove dew claws, some people remove tails. you know, there's I don't really care about any of of that. Um, you know what I'm gonna be looking at is is the mom. I'm gonna be looking at the puppies when they're you know ready to be delivered. How are they looking? Are they looking? You know like big pot bellies and and skinny skinny little legs i'm not going to be psyched about that but if they're looking kind of roly-poly i'm going to be a little bit more psyched about that they don't need to be fat but i want to see a little bit of condition on the pups and i see a lot of pups being say put out for sale that are are not the condition that i think they should be in so that's something to think about too a pup that gets a bad start it's going to have a hard time uh, coming back from that. And it's going to it's going to have long consequence, you know, long-term consequences on that dog's brain is not going to have developed the way that it should have its bones and its tendons are not going to develop the way that it should have. And you can compensate for it and still get some very good dogs. But ultimately I believe you're going to end up being disappointed if you get a pup or have pups yourself that look like that at eight weeks. You're gonna have some issues, I believe. Once the pups are born, I like to worm them um, with a paste, like a paste wormer. Um, at uh, yeah, I'll do it at about two weeks. Once their eyes start opening, just a little just a little bit, and then four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, and then twelve weeks. Um, I also vaccinate my all of my pups uh, against. Uh, yeah, usually I'll wait until they're three months old and do the. The, um, that four part, um, vaccine, the, uh, DH, uh, PPI vaccine. And, uh, but the most important one for me, if I, for whatever reason, can't, can't do that, I will vaccinate them anyway against Parvo because that's going to be the thing that's going to be the, that I, I most want to avoid even having in my kennel, um, so that's that's also another thing that i'll look at if i go into a if i go to get a pup that's not vaccinated and they're looking real skinny and and not good i'm i'm going to be a little bit aware of that because i have a kennel and i don't want to bring in a dog that potentially has parvo um but having you know those are kind of the things that i that i look for uh as i'm kind of getting into that first few weeks with pups or getting you know is is when I'm deciding whether I'm going to breed myself, when I'm deciding whether I'm going to buy a puppet, th- those are all the things that I think about. Um, and as far as, <clears throat> pardon me, as far as a good start goes, one of the major things is going to be socialization. And, you know, for me, that's that's a key, that's a key thing. I don't need them to be able to, you know, sit, lie down, roll over, you know, all of that stuff. I don't, I don't need that. But I want them to associate, Humans with something positive, not in the sense that they'll run up to everybody because, you know, then you're just going to get your dog stolen. That doesn't work. But in the sense that I want I want those pups to be keyed in enough to me that I can easily put a handle on them. I can put a handle on a on an unruly dog, but it's not as pleasant an experience. And it may set us back a little bit in terms of what we can accomplish as they're young when they're young because I'm going to be using more time putting a handle on that dog because I can't have dogs that don't, you know, that I can't beep, beep in that it's, uh, the terrain that I'm hunting here is not big enough for me to just be able to let them do whatever they want. I need to be able to get them off before they roll over highways and things like that. Um, So, you know, the, the socialization aspect, at least having you know, been around people seeing that, you know, not necessarily seeing that people are, you know, that their main focus should be people, but at least that people are not dangerous. Um, I, th- I think is really positive and it saves a lot of time. The pups that I've had that have been well socialized have, we've gotten a lot farther in a very short amount of time than the pups that are. I've had to really work on, um, some socialization issues that, um, that plot, Dan. Um, he was two, three months, or not not that much six six weeks, two months, um, late, kind of getting rolling because i i had to I had to socialize him more or less from scratch. He was terrified of everybody, and that was a pain in the ass. It really was. Whereas, you know, this the pup that I've got now, Vida, was you know impeccably socialized. And the socialization is not just being picked up and handled; it's also, you know, getting out and experiencing a little bit of the world. Not necessarily being, you know, going walks in the park. That's just a, that's a total waste of time, if you ask me. But you know, getting them out, getting them, you know, if if you're going to be running bear, get them, you know, get them following a bear, a chunk of bear skin around the yard. You know, feed them out in the yard. Get them sniffing around for. Toss some kibble in the grass, get them sniffing around, get them using their heads, learning how to move, learning how to, you know, use their noses, use their he- use their minds, use, move their feet. I think that's all ki- really, really crucial to uh, their overall development and and their ability to develop because that's part of it is that, you know, you got to learn how to learn. They need to learn how to learn. And if they've been sitting in a crate for or in a kennel for the first six months of their lives – You're going to be letting a dog out that's not experienced anything and they're going to need to take, they're going to need to experience everything while also trying to function uh, as, as a hound, which is, you know, that's a tall, that's a tall order. So I like to, I like to get my pups out a lot, you know. I'll, I'll go for walks with them. I don't want to, I'm not going to road them in the sense that I'm not going to get out and try and do, you know, 10 miles with them or anything like that, but I'll get them out and I'll spend time with them just in the woods, you know, and I don't expect anything from them at that point. I want them to, I just want them to be out there. I want them to sniff around. I want them to fall into puddles. I want them to fall off rocks. I want them to, you know, climb out of ditches. I want them to roll around in the mud. I want them to You know, fall asleep in the grass. I want them to do chase birds, chase moths and butterflies and things like that, because it's all going to make it so that when the time comes for us to focus on hunting, none of what they're experiencing is going to be novel apart from the hunting. And that's something that I think is worth uh, putting the time into. It's the only thing that I've done differently than the people who have gotten other dogs from the same litters that I've gotten dogs from. And apart from this last pup, um, Vida, where uh, her owner has been doing that uh, very, you know, he's very dedicated to doing that, um, or her breeder, rather, is very dedicated to doing that. So he's done the same thing with his pups, and his pups are doing very, very well uh, as well. But Vida has been doing extremely well, and I think a lot of that has to do with just the amount of time we spent with her out. In just kind of messing around, and how much time he spent, the breeder spent with her uh, as as a puppy, doing the same thing and getting you know, so she came with a little bit more life experience, which I think uh, I get a lot back for now because she's still a young dog, but she's working really really well for me, and is making big steps. But you know, Mike's uh, the I have a be you know the beagle Mike, same deal and buzz that old, the old, uh, my older hound, same deal where they're the, you know, they, they are realistically the higher functioning pups from, from those litters. And, um, they are, I believe a lot of that has to do with just how much time they spent being puppies and experiencing life. Um, instead of having to do that while they're trying to learn to hunt as well, or trying to, you know, kind of, yeah, yeah, deal with the instincts and, and, and they're, they can focus just on the instinctual part of things rather than focusing on the novelty of butterflies and things like that. I think that that has a lot to say when, um, when you've got a young dog, when I've got a young dog, it's one of the, it's the only thing that I will do in the beginning. And I will do that until they start to show that they are, um, kind of getting interested in, in, in the actual hunting aspect of, of things. And I will, I will definitely, definitely put time into getting them to that point where they're interested. And I'll do that by, you know, doing doing drags or going into you know a, a lot of what we have, what we'll hunt here is fox. So you know, I'll I'll take them out into the woods, but I'll I'll take them out into the woods to a fox den, and we'll hang out there. You know, or I'll take them out into the woods to, uh, you know, not far from a bait pile, an old bait pile where there's not anything there anymore, but I know that the foxes still roll through there because eventually they're gonna pay pick up on the fact and you know if, I, if i'm doing drags and things at home as well eventually they're going to pick up on the fact that this is you know it's kind of what i'm focused on you know and will as we start walking as they get more active we'll start walking we'll start walking tracks you know i'll just i'll walk along tracks and eventually they figure out you know they're they're still running all over the place but eventually they start keying in on hey you know bears walking this you know bear Every time we come back to Bear where he's, you know, straddling this track and it seems to just sort of through osmosis almost get them into that mentality that this is actually what we're doing out here. And uh, it's what I did with Vida and it's what I've done with all of my hounds. And it has, um, I've been pleased with the results for the very, for the very, very most part. Um, I'm certainly no, no expert uh, on, uh, on getting a hound, getting a hound to hunt, but I've had a lot of litters of pups over the years. And, um, I believe, I believe just getting out and experiencing a little bit of what life has to offer, uh, in the environment that they're going to be asked to function in is, is crucial. Um, as far as, as far as feeding, you know, pups go from their mom's If eating, you know, 10 times a day to a lot of times I'll get to a new place and eat once a day or, you know, if they're lucky twice, Um, twice is the bare minimum, like the absolute bare minimum when they're when they're pups. They really need if you want your pups to to be pretty well, you know, uh, getting the nutrition that they need that there's a there's a limit to how much they can digest in a day. Uh, or at one time rather, whereas if you split it up into three, ideally four meals, they're going to be able to. They're going to have a more constant source of energy, which is going to be really positive for them in terms of bone growth, in terms of you know muscle and tendon growth, and um, you know, just in, in terms of overall uh, well being. You know, even even you know cognitive brain function. So you know, if you have the possibility to feed your pups a puppy food for the first six months of their of their lives, at least that's that's you are going to get a lot back from that. Um, later on, I, I believe in terms of just overall robustness and health of the dogs, especially with things like feet and tendons, uh, you you get a lot back. So, you know, that's that's what I'll do with my pups. Um, I think. you know, as the other thing that I I think quite a bit about as I'm, as I'm getting pups started, you know, as I said, I spend a bunch of time out in the forest, but once they actually start running tracks, I will limit more than a lot of other people. And this might not be the right thing to do, but it's at least worked for me is I'll, I'll limit what I allow them, how hard I allow them to run. There's a lot of, you know, ultimately what we want, at least what I want, is a gritty dog. I don't want a dog that's gonna quit. I don't want a dog that's going to, you know, quit when the when the getting gets, you know, hard. I want a dog that's gonna hang on and 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 you know grind it out. But that's what I want from a dog a dog, an adult. I don't want a hound pup doing that because hound puppies are mentally a lot tougher than they physically are capable of backing up their brains can cash you know can write checks that their bodies just can't cash or they can but it's not it's not positive for them in any way you know i've heard of you know i I hear stories all the time of people like oh yeah you know six months old made it to the tree after 20 miles okay they, they may have done that that's that's you know speaks well to that dog's mental toughness but you you know that's not that's not good for them physically physically that's you're you're not doing that pup any favors you are putting stress on its skeleton you're putting stress on undeveloped joints you're putting stress on tendons and muscles that are not at an age or or developmentally at an age that they're able to handle that and that's where you kind of start to build the building blocks by doing stuff like that you start to build the building blocks. You know, that, that's when you start down that road of burning them out at the age of, you know, eight or nine with, you know, liver, liver and kidney issues, uh, arthritis, uh, stuff like that. I believe that if you are reasonable with pups, you need to get them out. I mean, there's no question. You can't wait until they're two before you drop them. That's that would be insane. But what I'm saying is you need to be reasonable. You got, you know. If you drop a pup and you're and it's working well, you know, don't let them go balls to the wall. Give them, give them the experience. Rather take them out more often, drop them more often, but keep it short. Don't let them trash themselves, and you know, bring them into trees, but don't you know, don't dump them out with the, bo- with the box. When you first dump the box, dump, you know, dump them later because you're not going to, you are not going to get that back. You are not going to get more time with that pup as a functioning hound by doing it early. But if you're careful, you will get more time at the end of that dog's career because you've not abused that dog physically as a pup or let there, I should Let me put that a different way. You've not let that pup abuse itself. And I believe that that will give you, you know, potentially several years on the tail end. It was one of the things I was known for in the husky, in the sled dog community, was my team, the average age of my team was higher. Because I had dogs that were older, but because I treated them, I didn't push them hard as pups. I was a I had dogs that were two three years older than um, my competitors you know I had I twice had to apply to have uh, my lead dogs. I needed to apply for a exemption because the rules here is that you can't uh there's a limit it but it's ten years old. you can't run them. Uh, in races after they're 10 years old, they're considered to be elderly at that point, which is exactly, you know, which is absolutely true. But I had a dog that was, um, 12 and one that was 12 and a half that were still, uh, very, very high functioning to the point where actually we won the race that I got, um, the exemption for. So I believe that you will get more on the tail end if you are reasonable and, you know, by reasonable, <clears throat> let me clarify there too. I'm not saying, you know, a dog is not fully, fully grown until it's closer to two. I don't think that that's reasonable to be, you know, handling a hound with kid gloves until it's two and a half. That, that then, then you're gonna be kind of creating a monster, I believe. You've got to expose them to real life. You've got to expose them to real situations. You've got to expose them to the game that they're gonna be hunting. And, you know, you don't want a complete monster. You know, you don't want to build a dog's confidence for two and a half years and then let it get in the face of a bear because that's going to, you know, you're going to end up with a dead dog or at least a pretty messed up dog. I believe that you need to be reasonable in how long you let them run, how hard you let them run in the first year, year and a half, and then kind of go from there. Let them let them build up. but Let it be a gradual build up. Don't just toss them in with a bunch of adults and judge them on their ability to keep up or not. Because a dog that, you know, one of two of the best lead dogs I ever had were physically not capable of keeping up with their siblings as puppies. They were big, they were fat, they were kind of roly poly and just chunky males. They were not capable of doing what their lighter, you know, their lighter female sisters, you know, that what their lighter sisters were doing, their lighter sisters, you know, they were more or less able to keep up with the adults from, the time they were eight or nine months old, I didn't ask them to do that, but you know they could. They were, they were physically capable of doing it, whereas those big males just they just weren't. But by being reasonable, by the time those pups were two and a half, those males were untouchable. They were completely. They they had just an entirely different physique than anything else that I that I've had. Uh, up until that point afterwards, I, I, I bred on those males and had, you know, got a bunch of dogs that had that same physique, but I always needed to be careful because they were big and dumpy as pups and it took a little while for them to kind of grow into their, grow into their joints and grow into their feet and grow into, you know, grow, get get the lung capacity that was necessary to fuel these, these big bodies. And by the time they did, they were these sort of Adonis dogs that were just able to do everything that I wanted to all the time. And if I had pushed them really hard as pups or judged them as based on their ability to keep up with their sisters at eight months old, um, those dogs wouldn't have been of any use to me. So, and that's another thing that uh, I see a lot. I see happening a lot. Are people judging puppies? You know, there's all of these, there's all of these things about picking puppy, how to pick puppies and, and, you know, all of these tests and things that you can do for pups. And, you know, there are people who believe in, believe in that kind of thing. And, you know, have had good results with that. I I wonder sometimes whether it's the belief more than the actual tests uh, that, uh, that makes those pups turn out like they expect them to. Sometimes I wonder about that, but you know, you got to, you have to choose a puppy when you're choosing a pup based off of obviously what you want, but realistically, I believe you've got to, when you're picking a pup, you've got criteria going into it. You're looking for something when you're looking for something specific you can't judge the pup you've got to judge the parents if you're looking for hard driving and grit you can't go in there and drop you know slam a pot lid over a over a litter's head and pick the pup that didn't react you know uh, as the gritty one you know it that that's to me that's insane you know it, it's you've got to be you've got to pick based off of the parents are the parents the type of dog that you want to have the type of hound that you want, then pick a pup from those litters and, but, uh, you know, otherwise pick the pup that you like. And a lot of times that's just in, uh, sort of this intangible thing that you you just kind of get a gut feeling about a pup, pick that pup because, you know, if it's, if it's parents bring something to the table that you're looking for, that you're missing in your pack the chances that that pup has that somewhere in there it, are pretty high so pick pick the pup that you want pick the pup that you get a good vibe from whether it's the one that's a little bit you know holds a little bit back or the one that's all over you jumping up and down or the one that bites your leg and doesn't let go the entire time you're there whatever it is that floats your boat pick that pup because so much of what we do as dog trainers is is it boils down to chemistry and our ability to, as you know, our ability to communicate with those dogs and also make the adjustments for the, the, the things that, you know, sort of capitalize on the things that are ideal in terms of our chemistry together and also compensate for the things that aren't ideal. Cause there's no dog that's going to be perfect and there's no trainer that's perfect, but the good trainers are the ones that can that can compensate for for the uh, yeah the the rough bits and capitalize on the the smooth the the things that are going really smoothly and a lot of that boils down to chemistry. So if you can, you're going to get a lot done for free if you pick a pup that you automatically have an in sort of instinctual chemistry with. So that would be my advice when you're picking out pups. Is, is to do that, uh, pick from adults that are doing what you want to do, how you want to be doing it, or bring something to the table that you are, you feel you're lacking and pick pups based on your overall gut feeling. Cause there's a lot to be said for that gut feeling. Um, and yeah, I guess last, last thing I just want to touch on is once you've got the pup, uh, You know, if I could get every puppy, every person who has a pup to turn off social media for six months, I would. Because um, don't compare yourself to what people put out on social media. I know people who have put out some stuff on social media where I was there for this amazing, incredible thing that happened with this with those pups. And I know that the reality is not what it was put out on social media. You know, everybody wants to have the best pup from a litter. Everybody wants to convince everybody else that they've got the best pup from the litter, that they're the best trainers or whatever. Just get out there and do your own thing with your own pups and do what you think is right. Don't try to be influenced, you know, try not to be influenced by the social media people because the social media people are not necessarily the people that are out there doing the best job with it. I believe it's the people that are actually putting that The amount of energy that some people put into social media, I believe the people that put that amount of energy into their pups are the ones that are going to have the best from that litter. And I don't believe it's because they got lucky genetically. I believe it's because they put the amount of time and energy into that pup that was able to bring out that pup's best, uh, you know, potential. So try not to judge your pups based on what other people's pups are doing and also give them the time to grow up. You know, if your pup is not doing what your last pup was doing at six months old, you know, don't don't give up right away. Give it time to give it time to grow up, give it time to adjust, give it time to show you what it's capable of, because there are some dogs that are going to be a little bit slower to slower to mature. And there are some dogs that are going to be extremely fast to mature. But, you know, I – you can't have a dog that's not going to be fully functional until it's five. That doesn't work. But, you know, being un, you know dissatisfied with a pup that's not functioning at six months old is also, uh, yeah, kind of crazy in my opinion. And I believe that uh, if you can find a happy medium uh, that's going to be overall for your pack's best – and that individual pup's best and also your best that you haven't wasted a bunch of time um, by g- throwing in the towel too soon. So those are my thoughts on puppies. Got me thinking about it g- heading into 2024. Got a lot of uh, exciting stuff coming up in 2024, not just with this particular podcast, but with uh, on the W platform in general. I've been talking to Jason a little bit and he'll, I'll let him fill you in on all that, but it is exciting Stuff I think 2024 is going to be a really cool year And I am looking forward to uh, Yeah, getting some new people on the podcast Visiting some people that have been on the podcast from before And um, interacting with all of you guys that are listening uh, Out there while uh, you're doing your thing So, Happy New Year And thanks for listening We'll catch you next time Man, I love that sound.